forward in life is forward in life. Leap and the net will appear. Dr. Laura Velas. Find out how you're doing detox wrong and most importantly, how to do it right. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now, I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we are talking about doing detox. At this time of year, so many people are trying to do a detox. And there's a lot of confusion about what really is a detox? What's a detox versus a cleanse? How do I properly do a detox? Do I need a detox or do I need a cleanse? (laughs) What am I missing? And I find that so many people get this wrong and it's not disastrous to get it wrong. It's just that you're not gonna get the benefits that you should get from a cleanse or detox if you do it incorrectly. So you want to make sure you're getting the most bang for your time and your money and effort invested. So you want to listen up today to Dr. Lara Belis because she specializes in this. I'll tell you a little bit about her. Well, let me tell you a little story first. So I used to work with this massage therapist and we would talk about all kinds of health things. She knew what I did. She loved what I did because she was all about treating things at the root cause and not just medicating symptoms. You guys know, you know, because you're about it too. She said to me, I got this detox supplement at the health food store and I took it for a month and I feel so much better. And like I always tell you guys, I don't preach to people who don't ask for the information. So I just said, oh, great. But I knew all the health problems she was dealing with. And I knew that wasn't the only thing she needed. And I was glad that she said she felt better, but I knew how good she really could feel. So, you know, she wasn't interested in learning more. Not everybody is. We help the ones who are swimming towards us who want to be helped and who want to be taught. So don't let that be you. Don't let that be you at the supplement store asking the clerk at the health food store who has a high school degree who doesn't really know about this. Come and let's talk about it with Dr. Laura Belis. She's an expert and you'll get the information you need. So at this time of year, you can do your detox right. I'll tell you a little bit about her and then we can get started. Dr. Laura Belis is a licensed naturopathic doctor practicing in the greater Toronto area. In her early adult years, her recurrent migraines and acne led her to natural medicine for relief. She now focuses her clinical practice on detoxification and hormone balance for weight loss, stress management, greater energy, and better digestion. She believes in making simple yet powerful changes to diet and lifestyle habits that create lasting results. Welcome, Dr. Laura Belis to the podcast. Happy to be here. Super excited to talk about detoxing and why 
everybody's doing it wrong and what they don't know that they should know because this is the time of year when people are doing detoxes. And like we were talking before we got started about the difference between a detox and a cleanse. Ladies listening, do you know the difference? So we're going to dive into that. But why is detox so important? Why do we even need to do one? Let's start there. That's a great starting point. And I think an important piece to you know, really highlight. So detoxification is already a natural part in the body. Our body is always detoxifying. And that's an important piece to know. It's a natural part of the body. It's not something we have to start doing. However, detoxification is literally like a waste removal plant in our body. Our body clears things it doesn't need. It packages them up. It packages them up and then it sends them out of the body in various ways. But sometimes uh, in our modern lives, we are inundated with so many things, whether that's the food we're eating might not be free of pesticides. It might be the air we breathe. It might be a lot of the chemicals in our body and personal care products. The reality is our body and our liver specifically is working overtime to detoxify these things from our systems. And let's be honest, there's a lot going on. And sometimes the body needs a little bit of help. And that's why doing a focused detoxification plan or supporting your body's liver uh, detoxification naturally is so vital now more than ever. Yes, it's super important. I always say our body is a city and every city has a sanitation department. <laughs> so we've got one, but it gets, it's so sluggish. And what is the difference between a cleanse and a detox? Yeah, so a cleanse really, it gets a lot of uh, publicity. You know, it's definitely a more of a buzzword. A cleanse traditionally is a liquid or almost liquid-based diet for one, three, even seven days. And it's intended really to focus on resetting the digestive system, our gut, for people that have a lot of digestive issues, bloating, maybe they've been quite sick digestively and they're slowly trying to get back into things. Or more famously, a lot of people are familiar with uh, perhaps green juice cleanses where they're drinking a lot of fresh juices all day. It's limited. It's a low-calorie, liquid-based diet. So it does give the gut a bit of a break. It doesn't make your digestive system work really hard to break down solid foods because solid foods need to be digested, and it takes a lot of uh, effort to do that. But a cleanse is really focused on gut restoration. It's almost like hitting the reset button. It doesn't do very much for liver health. It is a quick reset for some people, but I normally don't recommend cleanses for most of us. And if I do recommend a cleanse, it might be a one day reset, uh, just to reset the, the digestive system. It doesn't really focus on liver detoxification. Okay, so liver, I call that the sanitation department. <laughs> and you gotta love your liver. So can you talk a little bit about why the liver should be the focus of your detox. What's going on in the liver that's so important when it comes to detoxification? Yeah, so the liver is really, I love that analogy, the sanitation department, because it is, it is, it's filtering so much blood through our circulatory system from our digestive system running through, and it is cleaning out and picking out all of the not so nice things that are in our circulation, are in our bloodstream. And it's packaging those up. That takes effort. It's sort of a two-step process for those that, that are interested more in the science side of it. It's a two-phase process where your liver packages up these 
toxins or these chemicals or these pesticides, whatever you want to call them, and it packages them up into two phases. And after the second phase, it dumps it into the digestive system or back into the bloodstream where you can sweat it out, you can pee it out, or you can poop it out. And that's a very important part of getting these toxins or or these chemicals out of the body. The liver is responsible for that packaging Mm -hmm. process. And so what kinds of things are happening to us on a daily basis, things that we're coming in contact with, maybe eating, drinking, are impacting our liver? Why isn't our... So when I was in medical school, (laughs) Mm. I was taught that you don't need nutritional supplements, vitamins, minerals, et cetera, because you get it from the food you eat, which is totally wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was also taught that you don't need to do any detox or cleanse because your body takes care of it itself. So I think more and more people in this day and age are aware that that's a fallacy. Why is that a fallacy? Why can't our liver just take care of what it needs to take care of in this day and age? And that's a key point, what you just said there, in this day and age. That is the key point that that I think the listeners hopefully are are tuning into because this day and age, we are, number one, living very stressful lives. When you add stress to the mix, people say, so what? Stress or the main stress hormone that we produce, cortisol, many people have heard of that word before, that has to be broken down and processed by the liver as well. Well, now if I add a huge bucket of cortisol for my body to produce or to clear out day in and day out, that's clogging up the sanitation plant. That's clogging Mm. up the pipelines. I add in maybe a few extra coffees or a couple extra glasses of wine during the week. Sugar, right? A lot of us are grabbing sugar or sugary sweets for that pick-me-up in the afternoon. These are hard-to-process items for the liver. Yes, the liver can do it, but once we start to get stacked items that are not working in the liver's favor, there is an overburden, we need to to interject. We need to add in some supports to get that assembly line cleared and that bucket empty once again. Yes, so clear. You mentioned alcohol. Can you talk a little bit about alcohol in the liver? Because I remember back when the French Paradox came out uh, by Walter Willette and everybody's, you know, they had a justification for drinking their two glasses of wine every day, but nobody talked about what it does to your liver. Can you talk a little bit about what alcohol does to your liver? Yeah, so the liver does, and again, let me first start by saying that genetics play a role here. Some of us are faster metabolizers or we can break down alcohol more efficiently than others. And uh, there's different uh, ethnicities that have a better time or an easier time breaking that down and, and others not so much. And that's based on an enzyme that pretty much degrades or breaks down alcohol so it can be flushed out of the system. But there, again, there are two phases to this. And if we start to break down alcohol and there's too much already in the system in phase one or part one of this detoxification, the body becomes quite toxic. That phase one, that first step of the liver detoxification process, that's often what leads to a hangover when we've consumed too much alcohol. And many of us know what that feels like. But even if we add alcohol to an already overburdened liver, it might not be the amount of alcohol per se. That might be an extra glass of wine or even just a single glass more regularly. It might push the body or the liver over the edge and it cannot clear things fast enough, quickly enough, and on a regular enough basis. So we can feel toxic, sluggish, headachy, hives, you name it. Um, A lot of odd sometimes symptoms can come through and that can be because of this burden of 
alcohol not being fully broken down and metabolized. Yeah, I think it's something that people need to be aware of. And people say, oh, Dr. Karen, you're such a killjoy. You're saying none of us can drink. That's not what I said. (laughs) (laughs) You have to look at your individual biochemistry and where you are. And maybe there might be uh, evidence that you need a break for a while, but doesn't mean forever. All right, so let's dive a little bit more into it. You mentioned phase one and phase two detox. I don't think in the liver, most people are aware of that. So how exactly does your body use the liver to get rid of things? What is it doing to them? Yeah, so the two phases of liver detoxification are essentially there is a biochemical process going on. So we're removing and adding various molecules. If we go back to high school uh, chemistry class, whether it's an oxygen or a hydrogen, we're taking off and putting on different molecules to these starting items. So whether it's a, a pesticide, for example, or alcohol, we'll use alcohol as an example. And phase one is making it, it's basically starting the process. Phase two, a second phase, a second process, a bunch of different enzymes have to go in and make that item more water soluble. And that requires different items, different antioxidants or different components to help phase two. And then once that that item is now, or that alcohol is now water soluble, it's more, more or less inert, so it doesn't really can't really create problems in the body, it can now be safely expelled, whether that's through the kidneys and in the urine or in the gut through the stool or sweat out uh, or breathed out by the uh, the lungs. I forgot to Mm -hmm. mention that earlier. So there are various processes. Both of them are distinct. Phase one is in many ways making this item potentially more disruptive for a short period of time. And then phase two jumps in and adds a a molecule or adds a component to that phase one portion and says, okay, we've packaged you up. You're now safe. You're not going to cause any more problems. And now it can leave the body. We have to highlight phase two is arguably much more important than phase one when you want to feel your best and detox effectively. And isn't this where a lot of people get into trouble because they're only stimulating phase one and they're pushing all these substances to become water soluble, meaning they can go more places and do more damage and they're not addressing phase two properly. A hundred percent. I think that's really when we think about, oh, let's give our body all the B vitamins or all the antioxidants. Those are heavy hitters for phase one. Those even some herbal ingredients, uh, milk thistle, a lot of people are familiar with that herbal ingredient. Yes, to an extent they can touch on phase two, but phase two, again, has a very unique component. It's not about breaking things down. It's actually about safely packaging them back up so that they can leave the body. And phase two requires a different set of nutrients and components that I don't think a lot of people, I know a lot of my patients sometimes neglect that and that needs to be looked Mm -hmm. at. What kinds of foods and nutrients are needed in phase two? So phase two detoxification, this is where our amino acids come into play. And when I say amino acids, I mean the components of proteins. So definitely I'm thinking of glycine. I'm thinking of my sulforaphanes in terms of my broccoli family of vegetables. N-acetylcysteine or NAC for short, the cysteine component. These are all components that support phase two. And I want to highlight that there are many micro processes always happening in the liver. It's not just what do I take for phase one and what do I take for phase two? There are a lot of these nutrients that play a role in both phases. But when I think about phase two, I'm really thinking about my amino acids, 
and my sulforaphrane or my broccoli and brassica family of vegetables, those really have some additional support on that phase. Right. And I'll just add the methyl groups because I happen to be a poor phase two detox because I have the SNPs with the methyl groups. My body has a problem with that. So that's caused me huge problems. And I find with a lot of my patients, that's true too. So I think getting the genetics done, yeah, what role does a genetic profile play in assisting you in doing a proper detox? And that is something I think, I think that's where medicine and health is going in the next, you know, five to 10 years. I'm starting to see a lot of, a lot more of my patients interested in genetic testing, maybe have had a few SNPs looked at, you know, and they are interested in figuring out how their body processes and breaks various things down. The liver, the the SNPs or the genetic components really play a role in how effectively your body can break down certain chemicals or certain items. And again, this is an ever-growing field in the liver. So caffeine is a big one. Methylation, which is an important portion of phase two detoxification, alcohol, certain medications, right? How well does your body break down or detoxify these components can really tell you, hey, do you have to be really strict on avoiding caffeine during your detox? Or, hey, do you need a little bit more methyl support during your detox, especially when we're focusing on phase two? So this is a a very emerging and still very new area, but it's rapidly growing. And absolutely, it can customize how you take your detox to the next level. Yeah, I think that's key. And what about phase three detox? Do you want to talk a little about that? Well, phase three detox is really important because I think, you know, especially when I was um, studying as well, I found when I when I was talking about liver detox in the beginning of my practice and my career, it was sort of assumed that there was this elimination process, but phase two really is that final step in the body getting rid of waste and those toxins out of the body. Specifically, I want to touch on estrogen for a moment. So estrogen, a very vital hormone for, for us women, and our body detoxifies it along with many other hormones. But once it leaves the liver and now it's it's in circulation and, and on its way in digestion to leave the digestive tract, your body, believe it or not, does have different enzymes in the gut to help your body either flush estrogen out and keep it moving or unpackage that estrogen that was ready to leave and recycle estrogen back into circulation, which many of us don't want. We're trying to get rid of excess estrogen. So I want to highlight that phase three is in short, how effectively you poop out your your toxins. But remember, that's just one component. It could be kidney function with your urinary tract. It could be sweating. Are we sweating during a detox? Are we eliminating things through the skin? It's that final stage of getting everything that we don't Mm -hmm. want out of the body. So key. Let's talk a little bit more about estrogen detox, because I think that is a concern, particularly for women at midlife, before they go through menopause, most women are hyper-estrogenic, so they need to be getting rid of estrogen. So do you want to talk a little bit about the path that estrogen takes? Because we talked earlier about how all the chemicals that come in your body, your body has to detoxify, but what most people don't realize is that everything your body makes, it has to get rid of somehow, right? (laughs) Just like- 
when you do crafts inside your house, you've got to do something with those crafts and all the scraps that you made or trash that you made when you make it. So can you talk about how the body, the full pathway gets rid of estrogen and where are some of the stumbling blocks? This is, you know, this is a whole can of worms in so many ways, because like you just said, it is so vital that women understand what estrogen is doing in their body. There are various times in our lives where estrogen sometimes does do a bit of a roller coaster. And I find in my practice, perimenopause is a very turbulent time for a lot of women. And if we are pre-perimenopause, well, then, you know, let's say in our early 40s, we still got regular cycles, but we might still be dealing with heavy flow, lots of clots, long periods, painful periods. And I always encourage my patients to get an idea of what estrogen is is going what what's going on with their estrogen in short and the, one of the best ways to do that is to see what we call your estrogen metabolites your breakdown products of that estrogen hormone as it makes its way out of your system. And that's often why I I personally use uh, the Dutch um, urinary metabolites test which is a hormone urinary hormone test we can see how your body what your body does with estrogen in theory. And what we see is, is it effectively leaving the body? And that unfortunately can't be measured as accurately in the blood. And this is where women can really see, is my body recycling estrogen, which we often refer to as making 16-OH estrogen or the 16 pathway. Is my body making inflammatory estrogen or the 4-OH pathway when we measure that breakdown product? Or is my body really good at getting rid of estrogen safely without causing too many symptoms? And that is the main and the protective pathway, which is the 2-OH pathway. And these are just sort of sciencey names for those specific breakdown products of estrogen. Mm -hmm. There's three pathways and we all should know what our body's doing and which pathway is perhaps taking the reins in our bodies. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I, you know, as you're speaking, I was just wondering, do you ever recommend that women who are, have reached menopause go on hormone replacement without having a urinary metabolite test for their estrogen? I mean, it's something I require, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Absolutely, it is really a, a serious conversation we have. You know, go, starting hormone replacement therapy in any way, shape, or form um, supports. We need to see what's going on. We assume assume that. Estrogen is lower. We're not getting our cycle. We might have some symptoms, but that assumption really doesn't hold up for many women in terms of is their body safely and effectively clearing that estrogen out, especially if there's a family history of any estrogen sensitive cancers. We're really looking to get the full picture before we start any hormone supports. And that just gives women the power to understand and to and to really, you know, use that information to their advantage to feel their best during hormone th- supports or not. Right. And I'm just wondering, is it the same in Canada as it is in here in the U.S.? Because the mainstream treatment for women with menopause, well, first they say hormone replacement for the least amount of time and the lowest dose possible for symptom management only. There's no testing. They just give you a standard one size fits all dose. 
no testing of metabolites, how you're breaking it down, and there's no follow-up testing to see if you're on the right dose. And I'm just wondering, is it the same in Canada? Well, yeah, you know, in, in many ways it is. You know, as a practicing naturopathic doctor, I focus on bioidentical hormones in my practice, but the conventional primary care practice here in, in Canada is very much that way. We're giving oral hormone doses. We're not uh, doing pre or post or during testing. We are not determining what that woman specifically needs. And there's a lot of gray area in terms of, you know, is this the most effective treatment for that woman? And just because a woman's not feeling great going up on a dose of estrogen, for example, or both hormones might actually make a woman feel worse because they can't metabolize estrogen effectively. There could be genetic reasons for that. So we want to make sure their body is functioning well before we start adding hormones to the mix. Because if we're going to give you hormones, we want to make sure you can use them and actually feel better. Absolutely. Okay. So that's interesting. It's pretty much the same, it sounds like. (laughs) So phase three detox, yes, pooping. We have an epidemic of people not pooping. And can you talk about what should be optimal in terms of pooping? Like how are we biologically programmed to poop? Because the mainstream definition, they don't consider it constipation until certain things happen. So can you talk a little bit about that so people listening can really get a good idea? Am I pooping the right amount or not? Yes. And and on my intake forms, you know, I'm always talking about with my patients, okay, like how often are you going to the bathroom? And I will comment on frequency first, and then I'll talk a little bit about, about other um, areas that we want to consider. But frequency, the, the normal, optimal, let me not say normal, optimal bowel movement frequency is one to three times a day. And generally that coincides with the number of times we eat main meals. And if we go back and think about any babies or young ones in our lives that we can recall, we probably thought, yeah, every time they ate, they pooped. And somehow uh, when we started adding solids (laughs) to the mix, things do slow down. Uh, Granted, they slow down. But for many of us, when I tell patients one to three times a day is normal, they're shocked. They don't think they've never been told that. And it might not be your normal to be three times a day, but one or two times a day is really, really optimal for majority of us. And if we're doing any kind of detoxification, if you're not going once a day and you don't feel it's a complete bowel movement, meaning you don't feel you're empty. A lot of women intuitively, we, we feel the difference of, yeah, it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm emptied out or, or that felt good. I'm like reset. If you don't feel empty, that's the first place we start. We don't even think about a detoxification program until you are going every day, minimum once, and feeling empty. No point clearing things out and having it have nowhere to go. We've got to make sure that that bowel movement frequency is there right from the beginning. Right. It's kind of like when your toilet's stopped up, you don't put more material and water in the toilet or it's going (laughs) to overflow. It's the same. Like, you got to have the outlet working so that phase three has to be cleared out. What do you think most people get wrong about doing a detox? Oh, you know, that that's a great question because, you know, we, we've touched on a few points. Not supporting phase two is perhaps new to a lot of people, but focusing on those phase two nutrients is key, especially if you're feeling really overburdened. So people say, I don't feel well. I know I should do a detox. You know, I, I've been on several medications. Maybe I've, you know, been overindulging caffeine, alcohol, sugar. I want to reset the body. Well, you've got to focus on that phase two because it is that critical component so that you continue to feel okay during a detox. Mm-hmm. If you're 
full of a headache, you're lethargic for seven or, or 10 days during a detox, that's not normal. That means that there's either too much happening too soon or we're not focusing on phase two. So those, those nutrients, those amino acids, the methylation products and the sulfur components are so, so key. The second component I will say is people don't ease into a detox. So that kind of relates to the first point. They just go cold turkey. I, when I first did my detox, oh, going back here probably 15 years, I had migraines, I had adult acne, and uh, my naturopathic doctor at the time said, hey, you're going to have to come off coffee. Don't think about coming off your three cups a day tomorrow. And I'm right. so glad that she told me that because we still got to function. Many of us are still going through stressful lives and busy to-do lists. We do not want to go cold turkey on a lot of these things in our daily routine. I recommend easing into a detox, reducing caffeine and alcohol over a week slowly and supporting your lifestyle. Don't give yourself a thousand things to do during a detox. That hurt, that hurts the detox. Give mm -hmm. yourself the opportunity to detox when you've got a little bit of breathing room, less to-do list. You can sleep a little bit better and you don't, you don't feel like your stress is at its highest during that time. Yeah, I, I'll echo what you just said is, you know, it's not just detoxing your body. I, I ha have this friend and many years ago, she said to me, oh, Kieran, I got this detox supplement at the health food store and I took it for a month and um, now I'm detoxed. And, you know, I don't give hmm. my friends an unsolicited medical advice. So I said, oh, that's great. But what I was thinking to myself is she didn't do a lot of other things like change her diet and change her ca caffeine intake. And she didn't slow down her life because like you talked about at the beginning that stress leads to cortisol and your liver has a part in clearing that. So making a detox, not only a time to clear your body biochemically, but also clear your life, I think is something that's key. So what role might other detox modalities play in doing a quote unquote official detox, what I call a 360 degree detox. So things like sauna, lymph drainage, anything else that people should consider adding? Oh, I love that. Yes. And, and as a naturopathic doctor, like we, our philosophy is like whole person, you know, like all aspects, you know, of, of the body need to be looked at. I'm big on a couple of things. So full body detoxification, any physical modality, infrared sauna, um, even steam uh, saunas are great. Dry saunas are great. Infrared are, is my preference during a detoxification. Dry skin brushing, which can, you know, small circular motions from your extremities, from your hands and feet up towards your heart before showering is a wonderful way to stimulate your lymph. Any slow movement, so Pilates, yoga, gentle walking in nature, natural ways to, to boost your circulation and improve clearance of all those toxins gently mm -hmm. is, is great. I'm also big on the tech detox side of things. So detoxing the mind is really, really wonderful, but really challenging in our, mo in our modern days. So during a detoxification, supporting some tech-free time, maybe giving yourself that one or two hours before bed. I mean, ideally we should be doing that most nights, but let's be honest, many of us aren't. During a detox, just take a step back from tech a little bit. It gives your body a little bit of a chance to, you know, reduce that screen time, sleep a little bit more deeply. And, you know, our dopamine and our, our other neurotransmitters, our reward centers of the brain can kind of get a bit of a reset. So we're not always looking for that high from the tech side and, and social media and all of that. So it's a wonderful way to do kind of body, spirit, mind, physical and non-physical.
Okay. We're going to wrap up shortly, but what does sauna do for people? Can you help them understand? Because I think people think, oh, I heard I should do sauna, but they don't really understand what it's necessarily doing for them. And why is same thing for lymph drainage? Why is that important? Yeah. So sauna, um, again, various types of sauna, they've been studied for different types of detoxification, but essentially what we're doing is we're heating up the tissue. Infrared sauna is not a hot sauna. If you've ever been in one, it's, it's um, for people listening, it's a, it's a warm room and it's relatively dry, but as the 20 minute session kind of wraps up, you can, you start to feel a little bit sweaty, but what we're doing here is stimulating basically clearance of toxins within the cell. So that heat, depending on, again, the type of heat, is it a moist heat? Is it a dry sauna is it a steam shower that will elicit different types of sweating and different types of elimination through the skin so we're looking at skin elimination in short you're sweating you're bringing toxins that are water soluble so some metals um, some contaminants in our supply in our water in our personal care products are excreted in the sweat. So those would come out um, in the sweat. And that's a wonderful way to amplify a detox. And I really encourage people to do it. Of course, if you have any medical conditions, you always want to talk with your medical provider beforehand. Uh, Some Mm -hmm. people overdo the sauna. If they're not drinking enough water or don't have enough minerals, they can feel lightheaded. We never want that to, we never want you to get to that point. Uh, It doesn't have the effectiveness if you're feeling drained after a sauna experience. Awesome. Did you have anything to add otherwise on lymph? Oh, the lymph piece. Yes, thank you. I wanted to say lymph is an important piece for people to understand. It's not the bloodstream. It's a small highway of vessels that clear out a lot of our immune cells. A lot of our waste products go through the lymph related a lot to immunity. And gentle motion actually is what stimulates the lymph nodes, so uh, the lymph uh, supply. So if we're clearing gunk and junk and trying to amplify our immune system, gentle motions, dry brushing, gentle lymph massage, as you mentioned, these are wonderful ways to, again, clear stagnant, stuck things that might be in our body that need a chance to eliminate during a detox. So gentle therapies work wonderful for lymph and that can be done at home. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation. I know people listening have gotten so much out of this and they really are starting to have a deep understanding of what a detox needs to include what needs to be addressed. I love this quote you shared with me before we got started, aim to be just a bit better than you were yesterday. And also forward is forward and another one leap and the net will appear. They actually all go together, I think so beautifully. If you're listening and you've been inspired by what Dr. Laura has been talking about and you want to know more, she has actually a free gift for you on her website. We'll have the link in the show notes. Do you want to tell them a little bit about what they'll find there? Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it's my three-day mini detox and it's a wonderful gentle kickstart to full detox. Three days for many of us is doable. Um, It's not very restrictive, but it keeps out the key liver burdened items. And it really inspires you to kind of kickstart your health with a three-day reset. And I encourage people to try it um, and see how they feel even after a short three-day period. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Where else can they find out more about you, Dr. Laura? So you can go onto my website, drlaurabellis.com or find me on Instagram. That's normally where I hang out at Dr. Laura Bellis. I'm always posting tips and items, whether it's about hormones or health or nutrition, all on Instagram or again on my website and blog. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for your passion for helping people become as healthy as possible and for the path that led you there and for sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Stay tuned. Next week, we will have more impactful information. I want to challenge you to take action and do just one thing in terms of your detox today that will move you forward because forward is forward. Thanks so much for joining me and I'll see you next week. Until then, peace, love and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.